Mr. Antonio and Jaquetta's uh, seventh wedding anniversary. Congratulations to you all, too. Amen. Seven years. You scratch the itch. You can keep on going now. Praise the Lord. Amen. Seven-year itch. People sometimes seven-year itch. Amen. Don't, don't scratch it. Okay. I don't know how that works. All right. Ephesians 5. Let's get into this. I'm on the clock now. All right. Ephesians 5, let's read verse 25 through 27, please. Ephesians 5, 25 through 27. Are you there? Okay, let's read that together. Ready, read. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word, that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle, or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. Praise the Lord. Father, thank you today for the word we're about to receive. I pray each person's heart is ready to receive the word of God, that there'll be nothing to distract or hinder, Lord, the word of God from having free course in this place. Let the word have free course and be glorified among your people. And let the word, Lord, that we speak, the word that comes from your throne, Lord, saturate our hearts and produce in us the life that you called us to produce, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. All right, take your seats. Glory to God. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word. I want to talk today on the subject, the sanctified church. The sanctified church. Glory to God. The sanctified church. Now, last week, I, we went through and we preached the message, remember, on flawless. Remember that? Three of y'all. Okay, good. Remember that? Okay. We saw last week, I showed you a parallel between what's happening in the world in terms of uh, people in this relentless suit of, of external and artificial, uh, uh, superficial uh, decoration. <laughs> what do they call it? Uh, perfection. I showed you a parallel between that and religion. Okay? And in both cases, what's happened is people are using artificial means in their attempt to become flawless on the inside and the outside. Cosmetics is outside, it's artificial, and then religion is on the inside, and it's artificial. You remember that? I shared this stat with you last week, I just, just as, a, as a recap, in 2016, Americans spent $62 billion on cosmetics. That's makeup, nails. That, that's not the hair industry. It doesn't include Galaxy and all that kind of. This is just makeup. $62 billion on that and another $16 billion on cosmetic plastic surgeries. Right? Trying to hide external imperfections. Trying to become flawless. Now, I also showed you last week how uh, I showed you who's behind that. Remember 1 John 5, 19 says, that the whole world lies under the sway or the control of the wicked one. So we know the wicked one is behind that. And I walked you through a few verses in, um, in Ezekiel 28, right? I don't time to go back through today, so you have to read in your own time, about how, how the, the, the word of God described uh, Lucifer before he fell, right? How beautiful he was. He was the perfection of beauty. But yet on the inside, the Bible says he was beautiful until corruption or iniquity was found in, inside of him, right? And so he was flawless on the outside, but he was corrupt on the inside, right? All right, now, so what happens is, just like in, in cosmetics, as people have, have, they spend cosmetics and hair and all the kind of things, surgery, they spend all kinds of money and resources trying to become flawless on the outside, people also spend a, a great amount of time trying to become flawless on the inside. And what do we call that? Religion. Everybody say religion. Now, religion, which I showed you that what religion does, the deception of religion is, it makes you feel good about yourself. Right? Because of your good works. Religion is all about how you talk about what you, you say, I, I, I. Here's what I did. Here's what I do. Here's where I go. Here's what I don't do anymore. And so religion, uh, you, you get merit points. 
You give yourself merit points for how good you are. I'm talking better than y'all letting on. Let me give you just, a, just my definition of religion. Religion is man's attempt to justify and perfect himself. That's what you know. Religion is man's attempt to justify and perfect himself. All right? Now, y'all remember last week, I want you to turn to this scripture here in uh, Romans 10. I showed you that this was Israel's problem and still is Israel's problem for the Jews, right? Romans 10, verse 1. Y'all there? Paul says this, Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they may be saved. He's praying for Israel, God's people, to be saved. For I bear them witness that they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. For they being ignorant, that's what no knowledge is, ignorant of God's righteousness or God's right standing or God's way of being and doing right, Okay, and seeking to establish their own righteousness. This is what religion is, ladies and gentlemen. Have not submitted themselves to the righteousness of God. So God has a way of you and me being right. He's already set a way. And in fact, he, he tells us, right. Paul says it right here, it makes it very clear in verse 4. Verse 4, he says, for Christ is the end of the law for righteousness, to everyone who believes. He just put it right there. In other words, he's saying when Christ comes along, you don't need religion anymore. So in other words, Jesus Christ is not about religion. Jesus Christ is about a relationship. He came not to bring a religion, but to restore a right fellowship between God and his fallen man. Y'all got it. So you and I are, are not meant to live uh, and rely on religion. We're not in a religion, praise the Lord. Glory to God. We're in a relationship. Everybody say, I'm in a relationship. Now, so again, he says Israel was stuck in religion. Now, I want to show you, if you have time, that religion didn't start with the children of Israel. All right? How many of y'all know where religion started? I hear a good guess. What's, or, huh? In Genesis? Yeah, well, that's, that's really good. Y'all are so smart. Genesis. You can take a wild guess and hit Genesis right in the back. Okay? Now, where at in Genesis? Huh? How about let's go to the Garden of Eden? How about let's go to the Garden of Eden? Let's see if, if there was religion in the Garden. Okay? Let's look at Genesis chapter 3. Now, we know Genesis 2 is when God makes man, put, puts uh, Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, right? Right? Okay, but then something happens there. Genesis chapter 3 and verse 1. Genesis 3 verse 1. Now, the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. Now, everybody knows who that serpent was, right? That serpent is who? Satan, okay? If you're not sure about that, you don't believe me, if you were to read Revelation chapter 12 verse 9, Revelation 12, verse 9, the Bible says, uh, we'll call Satan that old serpent, the serpent of old. So when you go back from Revelation, the end of the book, to the Genesis, the beginning of the book, there he is. Okay? So now the serpent was more, more cunning than any beast of the field, which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, has God indeed said, you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? Now, how many of y'all know this story? Okay, let me put your hands up. How many of you don't know this story? You know, don't know this story. All right. I don't mean to embarrass you. I just want to know. If I, do I need to explain it at all? Okay, good. So everybody knows it? Does everybody know it? Yes. All right. <laughs> okay. Y'all are frozen. like. <laughs> okay. All right. <laughs> Praise God. Okay, so, so in this story, we know what happens is that uh, the servant comes along, talks to Eve about this tree. She eats of the, of the tree, gives Adam of the tree, and then they fell, and then uh, they're eventually driven out of the garden. Right? So I don't have to read all this for you. I just want to go back through it now, and let's analyze it. Okay, that's good. We can save a few, a few minutes there. All right. So I want to show you religion operating in the garden here. Okay, verse 1 again. 
At the end of verse 1, here's what, what the devil says. Has God indeed said, you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? So right here, religion is already working. Because religion always questions God and his word. Religion breeds doubt. Religion, I'm talking about religion, I'm not, I'm not talking about the Bible, I'm talking about religion breeds doubt. It questions God's word. That's why there are people, even, even in the uh, Christian faith, who they can read the word and, and still not, not believe at all. Not when God said, thou shalt, you know, you shall live and you shall not die. They still question it. Or when the Bible says, thou shalt not do this. Or the Bible says that uh, he's a healer. And, and people will still question, yeah, but. That's all part of a, of a religious mindset. And every other religion you can think of, Muslim, uh, Islam and, and, and Buddhism and Hinduism, all, the, all these other, other religions, they cast doubt on God's word. That's why when, when you and I, when we send our children off to college and they get in, over into these uh, world religion classes or humanities classes, even back in the high school now, even down in middle school now, even perhaps in the elementary school now, they are being trained to now question and doubt God's word. That, that, that the word of God is not absolute truth anymore. Y'all ain't saying anything, but I know it's, it's, it's all over. I can tell by looking at your face. That it's all over. And so that's where religion creeps in. So Satan introduces religion right here in verse 1. Glory to God. So... <clears throat> Let's keep going here. So then the woman, verse 2, and the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the, of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. Verse 4, then the serpent said to the woman, you shall not surely die. See, he's, bringing, he's introduced a religion. That's, this is why we have all these other religions out here. It's from the enemy, right? Do y'all believe what I'm saying to you? Verse 4, then the woman said, then the serpent said to the woman, rather, you, sh you will not surely die. Verse 5, watch what he says. For God knows that in the day of it, that the day you eat of it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So notice, here's the second part of religion here I want you to, you to see. He says, you will be like God. So religion, all religion denies humanity to perf denies divinity to perfect humanity. Now you might want to write that down so you can think about it through Wednesday. It denies divinity to perfect humanity. That's still washing over your head. It makes you, makes you not see the divine nature. Rather, it gets you to develop in your human perfection to try to come become the best human you can be every religion every religion you name one and research one investigate any one of them they all are training people to be try to become the best person you can be wow this might be a wednesday night kind of thing here to be, try to become a better human a better person but your Bible says that you and I, through the precious promises of God, have been made partakers of God's divine nature. So here is the serpent, Satan, trying to tell Eve that, no, he, God knows if you eat this fruit, you of this fruit, you will be like him. But you and I already know that she was made in God's image. She was made. In God's likeness. She was made like him. So religion wants to crush the divine identity so that you develop in your human perfection. Reli listen to me very carefully. Religion is all humanism. Write it down if you need to. Religion, all religion is humanism. It's man's attempt to perfect or better himself, to become the best man you can be. To become, to reach the highest level of nirvana. 
Y'all don't know. Throwing these phrases there. To reach your highest level. Man, man, is, man is seeking out a utopia. I, I was reading the other day, there's, there's some billionaire who's been trying to, to build or planning to build some great utopia on an island somewhere where everybody will be perfect. Everybody will, be able, will, will get to enjoy uh, this, this uh, utopian society. Y'all know what that is. It's perfect society, ideal, where there's not, not, there's no wrong, no crime, no sin, you know, no, nothing going on. Problem is, wherever you go, there you are. So even if you take yourself with your money to this place, you're still born in sin, shaped in iniquity. So when you get there, it's just going to be a bunch of rich sinners together. And when you get a bunch of rich sinners together, something's going to go down. Is this making any sense to you? So religion gets you, wants you to deny divinity to become the best person you can be. That's the highest hope, to become the best person you can be. You can fly. I believe I can fly. I believe I can touch the sky. It is the picture, Devin, of Here's what the devil does. It's the picture. This is what it would have been for Eve and Adam because, you know, they did. She went ahead and said, oh, well, that's good. Matter of fact, the next verse, matter of fact, so the, when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree desirable to make one wise. That's what caught her. Oh, this tree, if I eat it, it'll make me something I was not. So she, she went for it. So what happens is, what happened for her and Adam and all mankind who never goes through Jesus Christ, it's the picture of a dog chasing his own tail. Have you ever seen a dog chasing his own tail? You ever seen a dog chasing his own tail? Here's a dog, he'll go around, 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 around in circles. Flip through the room, knocking things down, tearing things up, trying trying to chase what's already on him. But he's, he's too ignorant to understand that that's his own tale. What I'm trying to get you to understand, the devil through religion convinces people that you don't have divinity, so the best you can be is the best human. And, and, and so you'll, they'll spend their whole lives going round and round and round in circles, trying to increase, trying to grow, trying to chase who God already made them. God has already made us like him. We were made in his image. We were made in his likeness. We were made just like God. And even though Adam lost it, the last Adam, Jesus Christ, came along and regained and restored our righteous divinity, our righteous divine nature, so that we're no longer merely human. Somebody say, I'm not merely human. I'm superhuman. Not a better human, I'm super, above. Super means above. Glory to God. Glory to God. So this is what religion does. It's, it's going all over the world. Can I keep going? I would, I would go some other way on left on this, but I want to, I got time here. So he says here, look at verse 7. Look at verse 7. Then the eyes of them both were open. Eyes of both of them were opened. And they knew that they were naked. Now, let me just go back just, just for a minute. Hold your finger there and go back to chapter 2, verse 25. Chapter 2, 25 says, and they were both naked, the man and his wife, and were not ashamed. Okay, but when, when religion comes in, now watch verse 7. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew they were naked, and they, now watch, watch, here's religion. Here's a clear picture of religion. Y'all with, with me on this? A clear picture of religion. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. Ah, ah. This is what religion does. Religion, you try to cover yourself by your good works. 
by your good actions, by all you do, by who you help and what you do. Oh, I gave to this thing, and I did this thing, and I spent time over here, and, and I, 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 and I don't drink no more, and I don't, okay, okay, but that's, that's I. That's you trying to cover yourself. This is what they did. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. Y'all got it? And it didn't work. Now, are they covered? Yes. But their covering didn't work. How do I know? Look at verse 8. And they heard the sound of the Lord God. They can still hear. They're trying to cover themselves. They they can still hear God. Uh Uh-oh. But now, whereas they used to look forward to hearing God, whereas they used to run to God's presence, Look at verse 8. They heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. See that word cool? That word cool actually is the same word for breath or the wind. Glory to God. So they, in the wind of the day, and Adam and his wife hid themselves. Now this is different. Because all before they used to hang out with God. But now they're religious. Now, now they're, they're just good church folk. They just, they just on, they on the church roll. <laughs> oh God! And they hid themselves. Glory to God. So everybody say shame, shame. And, condemnation. and condemnation. Just like I told you, uh, uh, inflammation feeds on sugar. Religion feeds on shame and condemnation. It feeds on it. It feeds on it. They hid themselves. Glory to God. Then let's keep going here. From the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Now they're going to hide among the trees. That's religion. Verse 9. Then the Lord God called to Adam and said to him, where are you? (laughs) This is not because God was ignorant. This is not because God couldn't see where Adam was. He's asking him, hey, what's going on? We used to be close, but now you're religious. We used to have fellowship, but now you're just religious. Now you just go to church because it's Sunday. I'm going to preach, Pastor. I think I will. Now, exceeding grace, Christian Center, where miracles happen. No real expectations. Just That's just what we say, just where miracles happen. You're religious. <laughs> where are you? God knew where he was, but he wanted to know, where are you? Because there's no connection anymore. So he said, I heard your voice in the garden. Now watch, here's religion. And I was afraid. Fear. Religion feeds on fear. Religion feeds on fear. Y'all better hear this preacher. Religion feeds on fear. Fear. Can I give you an example? Do you know most Christians tithe out of fear? Not tithe because they love God or they honor God as God's told us to do. They tithe out of fear because they're afraid of the curse. If you don't tithe, it's going to be a, a curse. That is the wrong motivation for tithing. That's the wrong motivation. You tithe because of relationship. You tithe because I'm bringing back to God a portion of what he's given to me. He gave it to me. So I love him. And I honor him as my God. So I want to give him a portion of that which he gives to me. But if you tie out of fear, you're not getting the covenant promise and protection that comes out of that. If you got fear and now you're in religion. Religion always feeds on fear. Religion makes people, even in Christianity, come to church, you better get saved before you go to hell. Y'all ain't saying that. Some of y'all got saved just because you want to go to hell. Avoiding hell cannot be the motivation for getting born again. 
Jesus didn't come threatening hell. He came offering life. Y'all didn't catch that. You look through his ministry, he didn't, he didn't preach about hell. If you don't come to me, you're going to go to hell. He came offering life. So here, here's the real, the real statement. If you don't come to me, you won't receive this life. This making any sense to you. But religion warps all that. It twists. It perverts all that. That's why you got people uh, in, even in, uh, uh, I'm going to just use this. Don't get offended if you're, you're one of them. JWs going around. And who are JWs? They knock on no doors. JW, no, okay, you know. The JWs, they're knocking on no, their door, those doors. And they got to knock a certain amount of doors. Works. Because they're afraid of not being included. In this number. Matter of fact, can I just say something to you? I thought about this as I was, I was preparing. You know, we, we sing a song in, in the church. And I think we, got, we ought to get it back out of church and send it back out to the juke joint. Oh, when the saints go march it in. Oh, Lord, I want to be in that number. Oh, Lord, I want to be in that number. Oh, Lord, I want. Please, Lord, if you can help me, please, oh, Lord, please allow me to be in that number when the saints go marching in. Send it back to the joke joint. Send that song back to the nightclub. Oh, that's where it came from. That didn't come into church. That came from the nightclub. We brought it into the church. It's religious. You hoping to be in the number. <laughs> and don't know, you. Oh, I'm going to show you this here. Oh, God. Are y'all getting this so far? Okay, let me, let me just skip on because y'all are, y'all are, y'all are. Woo-wee. So you see Religion. Now, let me show you what God does, what God does and what God did for them. Look at verse um, uh, 22, verse 22, same chapter. Glory to God. Verse 21, rather. Verse 21. Also for Adam, this is after God deals with all the issues, announces uh, judgment and so forth. Verse 21. Also for Adam and and his wife, the Lord God made tunics of skin and clothed or covered them. Now, notice he makes tunics or clothing for them, covering out of skin. Now, what did they use? Fig leaves. Now, what's the problem when you you disconnect fig leaves from the tree? They die. So, if left to themselves, Adam and Eve would have been naked again. They would have had to gather more fig leaves and make another covering again every week. They would have to get new fig leaves every week. Because religion makes you have to do it over and over and over and over again. But when God made this skin for them, he made made this covering out of skin. And it's not going to perish. And he clothed them out out of something that was now permanent. That's now permanent. Are y'all seeing what God does? Glory to God. Then, can I tell you what else he did? Then look at verse um, um, 24. 24. I skipped to verse 24. It says, so he drove out the man and placed him, placed a cherubim, the angels, at the, east of, at the east of the Garden of Eden, and a flaming sword which turned every way to guard the way to the tree of life. Now y'all thinking, well, that's, that's bad. No, that was good. This was God sparing them. Well, why did God do that? Because if God had let them stay in the garden, if they had now eaten the tree of life, they would have now been stuck forever in that fallen condition. The tree of life made everything permanent. So because because God didn't want them to be fallen and shamed and condemned and guilty and fearful forever, he said, I'm going to drive you out and not let you get back in because I got a plan. 
in about 4,000 years, I'm going to send a new Adam. He is going to come, and he's not going to give us right, the right to the tree of life. So when we come to him, come through him, we'll, instead, of, instead of having a permanent fear and condemnation and shame and guilt, we'll now have access to walk in righteousness and holiness and peace and be just and be made perfect through him. Boy, 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 boy. This is some higher level preaching right here. Glory to God. We're not, we're not drinking milk right now. This is some strong meat right here. Glory to God. Thank God for Jesus. Thank God for Jesus. All right, so Jesus Christ didn't go through all that he went through to come and establish another religion. Like all the other religions, right? He came to establish or reestablish perfect fellowship between mankind and Father God. So remember what I said to you. Religion is man's attempt to justify and perfect himself. Okay? It's man's attempt to make himself clean and right. But let's go to Ephesians 5. That was our main scripture here. Ephesians 5. Ephesians 5. Everybody tracking me so far? So we're not being religious. I don't have time for religion. Glory to God. Look at Ephesians 5, verse 25. Husbands, this is just good right here just to let that marinate. Love your wives. Everybody say husbands. husbands. Love, your wives. Love your wives. That's a commandment, isn't it? All right. Yeah, just it's commanded. Just love your wife. Love your wife. Love on her. Demonstrate love. Because this is what this is what we're gonna see here in a minute. Because he's gonna say just as. So he's gonna give us a demonstration of what love looks like. All right, I don't have time to give marriage men. Let me just keep on going. Okay, so husband, love your wives, just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her. Okay, now I want you to see first of all that Christ. So remember, we're talking about the sanctified church. That Christ loved the church. Y'all see that? So he loved, he also loved the church. So the sanctified church was born out of the love of Jesus Christ. That's our root, that's our foundation. That's where we were birthed from. It's the love of God, it's the love of Christ. The reason why we're here is because God loved us. We know John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. So we were born out of his love. God could have looked at man, mankind again, like he did in Sodom and Gomorrah's day. He could have looked, like, looked at mankind like he did again under Noah's day. Or, and he could have just let us go and said, no, I don't, I don't want to deal with you. But he loved us so much that he gave his son. Okay? So the church was born out of the love of God. Look at John 13, verse 1, please. John 13, verse 1. Hallelujah. I love this here, what it says about Jesus Christ. Man, this, this, just, this is just, just hitting my heart. It says, now before the feast of the Passover, okay, when Jesus knew that his hour had come, that he should depart from this world to the Father, look what it says. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them. Look at that. Now this, this is, y'all, boy, to catch this. This is what love looks like. He loved them to the, to the end. I can throw in to the very end. Hallelujah. And he had a trip, a trip crew. You know, the, this, this crew that was with him, they, was a, they were a motley crew. They were, you know, they gave him all kind of issues. But the Bible says, he had, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. In other words, he loved them enough to go all the way to, to the finish. The end for him was the cross. He loved them to the end. He didn't let anything stop him from accomplishing his mission because he loved them and he had committed himself to them. That's why he came. Father, prepare me a body that I may go down. Are y'all with me on this so far? So I better, I better just say this just, just, just to help one or two, three, four, ten wives in here. Husbands, love your wives to the end. 
No, she ain't acting right. Now, I ain't saying nothing about no acting right. Y'all hear me, brothers? Say nothing about her acting. She don't cook right. She ain't saying nothing about no cooking right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, well, well. I'll let y'all marinate on that. Well, she don't look like she used to look. Neither do you. She kind of she let herself go. Have you seen your mirror on your side of the room lately? <laughs> Glory to God. <laughs> Romans 8. Turn to Romans 8, please. Romans 8. Hallelujah. I said hallelujah. hallelujah. Romans 8, verse 35. Let me keep going here. Romans 8, I'm talking about the love of Jesus Christ for us. Romans 8, verse 35. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? No. As it is written, for your sake we are killed. How long? We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Yet in all these things we are more than conquerors. How now? Through him who loved us. So our conquering ability is because of his great love wherewith he loved us. Glory to God. For I'm persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. So I want you to see here, let me go back to Ephesians, that I'm, I'm trying to show you that you're a sanctified church. Glory to God. And he loved them to the end. Can, can, I, can I just just take one little slight detour or something? I, I want you to turn, um, this because this is good. Oh, God. I'm, I'll show you what Jesus Christ did for us. And I want to show, since this is a marriage minute, y'all is trying to snatch one. I feel y'all pulling on me. I feel y'all pulling on me on that. 1 Corinthians 7. Whoo-wee! I want to show you just a little bit of revelation here. 1 Corinthians 7. Verse 12. Are you there? says, but to the rest, I, not the Lord, say, if any brother has a wife who does not believe and she is willing to live with him, let him not divorce her. And a, and a woman who has a husband who does not believe, who does not believe, if he is willing to live with her, let him not divorce her. Now, if he want to go, send him on packing. Tell him to call Tyrone, come on, get your stuff. <laughs> Take your, get on, step on, right? He or she, they want to peace. Okay. But if they want to stay, he says, keep them. But let, let's see why. Verse 14. My God, this is going to rock somebody's socks right off. For the unbelieving husband is sanctified, my God, by the wife, implied believing wife. That's, that's how strong this love is and how powerful this sanctification is. It says the unbelieving husband with his old drinking, cussing, smoking, gambling, cheating, lying, stealing, robbing, hanging out all times of night self. Y'all struggling with this because y'all religious. But it says that brother... That don't know a good brother is sanctified by the wife. So if that brother was smart, he act right. <laughs> you better hold on to maybe. Maybe I love you, girl. You know, I, I know I ain't right. I'm gonna get right. Just praise the Lord. Then it says here, and the unbelieving wife. 
This goes both, way, both ways, doesn't it? And the unbelieving wife is sanctified by the husband. Do you understand that? Are y'all, Sister Gary, you understand this? This, this, is, this is powerful here. This is powerful. This is powerful right here. This is, this is sanctified. Not based on his merit. Not based on how good she is. Based on your stance. Based on your standing with God. Set apart. I'm going to let that marinate in you right there. Because... He says, otherwise, your children would be unclean, but now they are holy. Your children, what? wait a minute. See, this, 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 this is a picture of, this is a picture of one person in the house is saved. That's what this is the picture of. One person in the house is saved, either husband or wife, that's only one person. The husband, no good, and the children, they worse. Or the wife's no good and the children are worse. And yet your Bible, because we're talking about God's law. Remember I told you, you are the seed for your family. You are the seed for your whole family. So your children, this, this verse right here, I remember a couple years back, this is the verse right here that God had to get me to, oh wait a minute, to see that. About, about well, you know, I grew up in a church where children, you don't serve communion to children. Because you don't serve communion to children because children, they're not saved. And if they take that communion, they're not saved, they're going to they gonna fall sick and die. First of all, we don't, you don't understand the scripture when he's talking about that. Not discern our Lord's body. Read it in context, 1 Corinthians 11, you'll understand that better. Read the whole thing in context. So then I, he made you understand well, the children, they're holy because of you. Your children, I know they bad. Y'all better, y'all better, y'all, some of y'all parents better jump on this right here. I know they're bad. I know they, they off the chain. They keep, keep getting calls from the school and everything. I know you keep wanting to snatch all the cell phones and everything, but they're holy. See, your eyes are telling you no. Your mind's telling you no, Pastor, that's not true. I know my bad behind youngin'. No, your Bible says because of your stance, because of your walk, because of how you live, your children. It's in the Bible. Are holy. In other words, holy, is, holy and sanctified mean the same thing. They're set apart. That's why, thing, I'm about to my shikah. That's why that what things that happen to other people's kids don't happen to your kids. They might be at the same party. They might have gone to the same party. But yours came home, made it home, not because they were doing it right, but because... I'm telling you, you young folk, you teenagers, youngers, you ought to thank God for your holy mama or your holy daddy. Thank God they're walking with God. Thank God they're saved. Thank God they're sanctified. Thank God they're filled with the Holy Ghost. Thank God they're in the Word. Thank God they're praying. Thank God they're covering you. Thank God they're holding you accountable. Thank God for it. Because that's the only reason. Unsaved spouse, unsaved spouse, you better thank God for your saved husband, your saved wife. Because that's the only reason. You still breathing right now, brother, because I'm walking with God. You may not treat me right, but I'm walking with God, and that's the only reason why you ain't dead yet. Because I'm <laughs> you better learn to appreciate me. Oh, Jesus. Glory to God. 
Glory to God. Somebody say glory to God. First Peter 3, I just, I, I'm in this vein. Let me just stay right here. First Peter 3, verse 1. Look at this. I'm just, I'm just talking about how, how you, okay, what, what I'm trying to show you is what Jesus Christ's work, what that had to do with us. But I'm showing it here on our level, natural level, what our work has to do with our spouses and our children. Look at 1 Peter 3, verse 1. Wives, likewise, likewise be submissive to your own husbands, that even if some do not obey the word, they, without a word, may be won by the conduct of their wives when they observe your chaste conduct accompanied by fear. When they watch how you just keep going to church, you keep serving God. You keep praying. You keep living for God. I ain't, I ain't no good, but you just keep on. Do, just keep on. Do, my, you know what? I need, I, need, I need to try Jesus. Uh, how long is it going to take? I don't know how long it's going to take. How long you got? <laughs> My God. Are oh, you understanding this here? Yes, All right, let me finish up. Let me finish up. I got my just a couple minutes left here. Ephesians 5. I got plenty of word, but I only have a few more minutes on the clock. So, Ephesians 5. So, again, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her that he might sanctify. Everybody say, he might sanctify. He so, the church, we didn't sanctify ourselves. It says that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word. So notice again, let me look, look, look back in, in verse 25. He uh, loved the church and gave himself for her. So the church, the sanctified church, we've been purchased with the blood of Jesus Christ. Give me Acts 20 and verse 28 real quick. Acts 20 verse 28. Get on the screen. Y'all the turn to it. Just get on the screen. Acts 20 verse 28. Therefore take heed to, the, to yourselves and to all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you what? Overseers. This is Paul talking to all the pastors. He says to shepherd the, the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. All right, you got that. So in religion, you're justified by how much you do for God, by how much you give for or to God. But Jesus gave himself for us. I don't know if you understand that. When you hear about uh, Islamic, radical Islamic terrorists, and they're flying into buildings, or they're walking into train stations and blowing themselves up, they're, they're giving them lives, their lives, they're doing that to please their God in hopes of attaining something. They give their lives for their God. But with us, our God gave his life for us. He loved us and gave himself for us. <laughs> oh, praise God. I'm so excited about that. He gave himself for me. Now, then it says here again, verse 26, that he might sanctify and cleanse her. That he might sanctify and cleanse her. So, in other words, Jesus Christ, by his own work, he sanctified the church. Okay? Give me 1 Corinthians 1, verse 30, please, on the screen. 1 Corinthians 1, verse 30. But of him you are in Christ Jesus who became for us. So Jesus Christ became for us wisdom from God and righteousness. So he became righteousness for us. We don't have to try to become righteous. He became righteousness for us. And sanctification. So he became sanctification. Jesus said in John 17 when he's praying to the Father, he says, I sanctified myself so that, I could, so that they could be sanctified. Jesus said, I set myself apart. I went through all these years, 33 years of abstaining, 33 years of walking, walking the line so that they could be sanctified. Did you catch that? I did it. I went through all the endurance, all the trials, all the temptations so that they could be sanctified. 
You're not catching it. I sanctified myself so they could be. Just like he became wisdom for us. He became righteousness for us. He became sanctification for us. Glory to God. His own works. So it's not about our works. Everybody say, I'm sanctified. I'm sanctified. Say it again, I'm sanctified. I'm sanctified. Glory to God. Give me 1 Corinthians 6, verse 9 through 11. 1 Corinthians 6, verse 9 through 11. Oh, man, I got to wind this to a close. 1 Corinthians 6, verse 9 through 11. Are you there? It says, do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Now, y'all don't stumble on reading this here. I want you to read this here. Look at it. Do not be deceived by religion, by humanism, neither fornicators. Y'all know what a fornicator is? Fornicators, anybody who has sexual uh, relationship or intimacy with somebody outside of a um, uh, biblically uh, defined marriage. We got to say that today, today that's biblically defined marriage. Because people think, well, I, I'm married, but I'm talking about biblically defined marriage. Okay, so that's anybody. That's anybody. Okay? So, nor idolaters, does anybody worship anything other than God or anybody other than God, nor adulterers, we know that those people are, right? Okay, nor homosexuals, is there in the Bible, nor sodomites, is there in the Bible, verse 10, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. Is that plain? Okay. You, we, yeah, you have to really just be rejecting the word to, to, to not see that. Verse 11. <clears throat> and such. This is this I wanted you to see. This is I wanted you to see with your haughty, toady Christian self. And such. Look at your neighbor. It's a neighbor. <clears throat> and such were some of you. You remember. <laughs> I know you all sedated and sanctified now, but you remember. I know you're a tongue talking now, now, but you used to talk in other tongues before. All <laughs> Don't be looking away at me. You used mother tongues, all kind of tongues back before. Okay, and he says, so, so all these things we just named, he says, we were like that. So stop acting like you don't, you don't know anything about that. Stop acting like you. I don't know why people still live like that. Because you were living like that too. Thank God for the Holy Ghost. Thank God for the blood of Jesus Christ. Thank God for the power of God on the inside of us. He said, now watch this. And such were some of you. Such were what? Idolaters, adulterers, homosexuals, uh, sodomites, thieves, covetous, revilers, uh, uh, we, all kind of stuff. Extortioners, getting over on people, taking advantage of people. All right? But. 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 The only difference between me and my past, or me and those who are still out there, is I've been washed. Now notice, I want you to see this. I want, you got to see this here. I, I want you to see these words. I have some English majors and some teachers and uh, academic professionals in this place. Plenty of them all over this room. But you were washed. War is past tense. Washed implies it was done by someone else to you. It's a passive verb. You were washed. Y'all not catching it. What I'm trying to say to you is you didn't wash yourself. Your bad self. You were washed. But you were justified. It came from outside of you. You didn't do it yourself. In the name of the Lord Jesus, Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. Now watch this. So all born-again believers, listen to this, are part of the sanctified church. Did you catch that? Sanctified. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 5, 
verse 26, that he may sanctify and cleanse her. That's the church. Now, I grew up, TJ, in my church. They called us the sanctified church. Any of y'all grew up in the sanctified church? Or raise your hand, raise your hand, raise your hand. Well, what passed with sanctified church? Uh, in the sanctified church, first of all, the music was a little bit different, a little faster. We didn't, we didn't have the hymnals. Well, we didn't use them. We had them, but we didn't use them. And songs were a little faster. You know, it'd be two words. Power, power, Lord. Power, power, Lord. Power, power, Lord. Power, power. Need your power, power, Lord. Need your power. In four to five minutes. Holy Ghost power, power, Lord. Holy Ghost power. It's just, woo Right? Sanctified church. Yeah, but most, most songs was two or three words. That's all we can handle. Call and response. Praise the Lord. I mean, I, I don't even know until I start visiting some, some of my Baptist friends' churches that there were more than one verse to most songs. Another verse? Where did that verse come from? It's them the hymn, no? Man, we use the hymn to make the, make the piano even. Uh, what <laughs> I'm talking about. Sanctified church, we, had, we, had, we didn't have this regular, you know, Baptist church, they had just a piano. No drums, no guitar, no Baptist church. Not no good Baptist, y'all know that. Make joke joint music. But the Pentecostal church, sanctified church, we had piano, drums, uh, tambourine, uh, guitar, washboard, scrub board, we call it. Uh, a bass, uh, old, one of the old mothers with a bass drum. Boom, 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 boom. Cymbals. Are they marching 100? You know, you know, it's just all kind of stuff in the sanctified church. That's just how I'm just telling you how it was. I remember one of the old ushers, he come to church with a, you remember this usher? Come to church with a, with a scrub board and a, and a hanger, a wire hanger. Like we on hee haw. Anything went. Anything went in the sanctified church. But, but in the sanctified church, sanctified church, the women, you ain't wearing no pants. You ain't no pants. You wore pants, you got to get out of this church. You can't come to this church, your old heathen hussy self, fast. So come in with pants. You wore a skirt, and the skirt didn't stop here. It stopped down there. Long flowing skirt. I'm just talking about how, and then, then we made all these actions qualify us as sanctified. So when you, when you went to school, you get cracked on if the, your friends found out you go to the sanctified church. So what happened was we made a distinction. People do to this day make a distinction between the sanctified church and the Baptist church or the Methodist church or the Episcopal church or whatever, the Church of Christ, all these, all these distinctions. That, no, you go to that sanctified church. Because we made sanctified church about external things and not about what Jesus Christ did on the inside. Because we understand what Jesus Christ did, then we're all in the sanctified church. So the sanctified church isn't a mode of music, not a music style. It's not a, not a you know, about how you dress and, you know, how, you know, putting your hair in a bun or whether you got a long flowing wig. It's all about, are you, <laughs> it's about are you washing the blood of Jesus Christ? So everybody is in the sanctified church. I'm talking about if you're born again. How many of y'all in here are born again? Put your hand up if you're born again. You're in the sanctified church. Everybody say, I'm sanctified now. Say it again, I'm sanctified now. I'm in the sanctified church. Glory to God. Somebody asked you what kind of church you go to? So I go, I go to, a, to, a, to a nice church, but I'm in the sanctified church. 
Jesus made me a saint. Can, can I, can I, I'll make this my last point. I'll, I'll teach the rest next week. Everybody say, Jesus, Jesus made, me made me a saint. A saint. Say, I am a saint, I am a saint. Right, now. right now. Now, if you, if you got religious ties, it's hard for you to say that, that I'm a saint. Because religion teaches you that saints or sainthood is based upon the magnitude of your works. Am I right about it? There's one uh, faith in particular who uh, the largest probably faith, Christian faith on this planet, who in all their history, they only have a handful of saints. Right? Their headquarters are over in Rome. You understand what I'm talking about? And there was a lady named Mother Teresa. Y'all remember Mother Teresa? Did so many great works. And I think only recently she was ascribed sainthood, or they're working on it if they haven't done it already. Pope John Paul II, two popes ago, was recently ascribed sainthood. You know why? Because someone had to go back and research and ask, uh, did, they, did they perform any notable miracles? And because he and because she performed some notable miracle that somebody said, okay, we remember that one, then they ascribed sainthood to them. Everybody else, you're not a saint. You're just a member. But they became saints. Now that's backwards, isn't it? Because for us, we don't have to perform a miracle to be a saint. We are miracles. We, I am a miracle. And he made me a saint. Everybody say, I am a saint. Romans 1.7. Romans 1.7. To all who are in Rome, I'll just give you just a couple examples. I can go to every chapter. To all who are in Rome, beloved of God, called to be what? Saints. This is what Paul, how he introduces everything. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 2. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 2. Glory to God. To the church of God, which is that Corinth, to those who are sanctified. Do you qualify for that? Called to be what? Saints. Saints. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 1. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 1. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, to the Saints. saints who are in Ephesus and faithful in Philippians chapter 1, verse 1. Paul and Timothy, bond servants of Jesus Christ to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are in Philippi. Do you notice this here? That every time Paul introduces himself or writes to, to the churches, these are various churches, he announces and calls them saints. Why? Because we're sanctified. That's what a saint is. It's someone who's been sanctified. So you have been sanctified sanctified by Jesus Christ. So it's not about how good you are, it's about how good he is and about what he has done for us in our lives. So we have been washed, we have been sanctified, we've been justified, and now we qualify as saints. Everybody say, I'm a saint. I'm a saint. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, neighbor. You're, a saint. you're a saint. I don't know what you're struggling with, struggling. but you're a saint. Now, I'll deal with this next week if you give me time. I'll, I'll go through this because I want to show you, I want to show you that it's, it's once you become aware of this sanctification, the, of your sainthood, that now you can live out from the inside and now it begins to show on the outside. People are trying to, trying to be, do sanctification stuff to make themselves saints. That ain't how it works. It's you now can live sanctified because you have been sanctified on the inside. Are y'all hearing that? That's why, give me one more scripture here. Philippians 2, verse 12 and 13. Philippians 2, verse 12 and 13. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your salvation with what? Fear and tr work something out. It's in you. Work it out now. Verse 13. Verse 13. For it is God who works in you. 
both to will and to do for his good pleasure. So God's working in you. And he's going to work it out. Everybody say, I'm a saint. Because I'm, I'm sanctified. Say it again, I'm sanctified. I'm, sanctified. I'm, holy. I'm holy. Say, I'm Holy Ghost filled. Fire baptized. I'm sanctified. And I'm glad about it. Give God a praise today if you receive that word. Come on, get on your feet and give God a praise. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord.